This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. It is not the news that any government wants to hear, particularly here in Canada, but the OECD, this is the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, says they are tracking the SNC-Lavalin scandal. This is a 36-country organization, and it says it's concerned and wants to remind Canada of its international obligations regarding independence of prosecutions. In fact, the OECD has sent a letter to Canadian authorities saying that anti-bribery officials there will be following the case closely. Because at the centre of this is the contention by the Prime Minister that, oh, it's all about jobs. But those who follow the history of SNC-Lavalin say the company doesn't deserve that attention based on its past deeds or misdeeds, as the case may be. And actually, that is exactly what former Crown Prosecutor and National Affairs Columnist for the National Observer, Sandy Garasino, has pointed out in her latest piece on the National Observer website. SNC-Lavalin has a long history of wrongdoing. So why is the government protecting it? Well, Sandy Garasino joins us now to talk more about this. Sandy, thank you so much for joining us to talk about your latest piece in the National Observer. Tell me, what point did you want to get across when you were writing about SNC-Lavalin? I guess uh, the biggest point to me is that, you know, tyrannical despots uh, are held in place and allowed to brutalize their populations because they are protected and cosseted by companies that are paying them millions and sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars in bribes to, to prop them up. And that's exactly what happened with SNC-Lavalin in Libya with the Muammar Gaddafi re- regime, which is that this company is alleged, and we see it seems to be admitting that it paid uh, something like $50 million directly to the son of Muammar Gaddafi in exchange for lucrative contracts. And, uh, I, you know, these are very, very serious allegations. This is not a mining company uh, that had, that paid a bribe to uh, by a mid-level person to get a permit to operate. This is directly supporting a brutal, tyrannical regime that was known to be uh, murdering and, and and oppressing its people. And SNC Lavalin helped that happen by paying it money. And uh, these and and it, nor was it an innocent party in all of this. It had been uh, barred from bidding by the Asian Development Bank. It had had serious allegations with the African Development Bank. It had had uh, been barred by the World Bank for previous uh, corrupt dealings. And there were many other examples mm-hmm. of it a- acting in this way. So this was a this was a company with a bad record dealing with a terrible regime. And Canadians needed to know this as part of the context. Yeah, do you think maybe that part was being forgotten in this whole the, the Liberal government going on and on about, oh no, it was jobs, jobs, jobs. But you were saying, listen, th- this is not an isolated case here. No, it's not an isolated case. And and by focusing on the jobs, we're doing, ex- we're exactly enabling this 
kind of conduct. And this is what the OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, that we're a signatory to, is trying to deal with. And the OECD just today has come out uh, with a statement uh, saying that it's going to be tracking, that it's concerned about the allegations of political interference, it's going to be tracking this prosecution closely. Uh, and there's another element to this, you know, as someone who has experience in uh, in the prosecutorial role, I can tell you that there are very uh, specific criteria that prosecutors uh, can take into consideration and that they carefully weigh and measure in a very professional way. And it seems that that was completely lost in the coverage wow. of how this all happened. That there were rules that were followed in, in the decision around SNC Lavalin. Now, you were a Crown Prosecutor, as you mentioned there as well. Did you ever have a case where someone tried to interfere with one of your decisions? No, and I mean, it's ex- it's extremely rare. I and mean, there, there would be the rare case that I imagine. I never experienced it. I can, I can see the temptation by political leadership to interfere. And that's why the, the I mean, this is a, a sacred trust in a way that you keep your hands off prosecutorial decision-making and law enforcement. You can't have a situation where, you know, a premier or a prime minister feels like, or a president of the United States feels like, uh, an investigation is too uncomfortable for them politically and maybe puts them at risk so they're going to go in and interfere with the with the police and prosecutors that's an, this is a this is a constitutionally protected independent role and it's got to be protected your piece clearly resonated with a lot of people right because i mean it kind of when you say it went viral almost doesn't do it justice it, it did seem to explode. I, I mean, it's hard when you're when you're in the middle of it. You, it's hard to tell, but all the all the indications are, yeah, it, it went pretty big. And why do you think that is? Well, I think that that we had been seeing only one side of the narrative, and I think that Canadians, you know, we're the country that stood up to Saudi Arabia. We're the country that has been lecturing China on rule of law and how we follow the rule of law. We're the country that unanimously passed the Magnitsky Act, which was to crack down on foreign corrupt uh, dealings that where where people are hurt and killed by by uh, foreign corruption. So we're supposed to be standing up for that, and we completely threw that out the window in this case when it, was, when it came to one of our own. And I think that once Canadians realize what this, is, what this case is really about, uh, I think they were pretty shocked. I think so too, but do you, do you think it's resonating with people? I certainly felt it did, but does it have, do you think, uh, the, the stamina, that, that outrage to keep it going to have an impact on the election? Well, you know, to me, elections in a way are are, are a different thing. I, I didn't write this because I'm concerned about how the election goes. I think this is exact, exactly the point, is that we shouldn't be thinking about how elections are going to turn on how we enforce the law or don't enforce the law. I don't know what the election, election fallout is going to be. All I care about is that our government officials uh, can be trusted 
to apply the rule of law. It isn't just China that is supposed to, you know, uh, bear the weight of the rule of law. Canada is supposed to, too. And I, I guess we'll see how this all turns out. Yeah, you list a lot of kind of SNC-Lavalin infractions in your piece there. You mentioned the barred from bidding on Asian Development Bank projects. You talked about uh, the bribing of Canadian official $22.5 million in relation to a McGill Hospital contract in 2009. The World Bank, the African Development Bank, you name it. Why, why does this company deserve the protection and the attention of a federal government. Well, this is exactly uh, what I think the uh, uh, federal prosecutors took into consideration. In fact, they are required by law to take into consideration had there been previous problems with the accused company, had there been previous remediation efforts, and yes, there have. In fact, the, the authorities seem to be pretty clear. You are not allowed to weigh national economic interests. You are not allowed. Um, you have to take into account previous conduct. You have to take into account the seriousness of the charges. All of these things are things that professional prosecutors are accustomed to applying the law on. And, you know, it really does strike me that there was a, a, a sustained and determined effort to interfere with the prosecutor's independence here. Well, Sandy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much, Simi. That is Sandy Garasino. She's the National Affairs Columnist with the National Observer website. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.